Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast, Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie. And Julian, it's U.S. Thanksgiving this week. We're getting a head start on this narrative, okay? I mean, south of the border, football, mm-hmm. turkey, day drinking, falling asleep on the recliner at some point in the early evening. But for us, it means assessing the early returns on an NHL season. Yes, it is Bobby Mack vibe check time. He's the one who created this. Six weeks into the season, U.S. Thanksgiving, it means something now, what we've seen from these teams so far. So you ready for the Bobby Mack vibe check on the YSHP? I was born ready, of course. Anything from a fellow McKenzie, I have to be ready for. No relation. No relation, but strong synergy between the McKenzie families, that's for sure. So That's, that's for damn sure, yes. Yes. Uh, so as I was mentioning, you know, it means something now. We, we can't be like, oh, it's early anymore. Sample size. We can't get there. I mean, maybe we have four more days because we're recording this on a Sunday. And U.S. Thanksgiving is Thursday, of course. Um, but for now because it's the last time we record before then, you know, we can make those determinations. So right now, I think there's five teams that could probably consider the class of the NHL, at least based on standings, right? We got three in the Eastern Conference and two in the West, and they both happen to be in Alberta. Carolina Hurricanes, Florida Panthers, Washington Capitals, Edmonton Oilers, and Calgary Flames. Those are the highest performing teams on U.S. Thanksgiving, unless something crazy changes in the next four days. Do you believe in those five teams, first of all? And if not, what sort of sticks out for you? I believe that all five of these teams aren't going to mess it up to the point where they'll eventually miss the playoffs. None of them are are teams I picked to win the Stanley. Well, I'll say this about one of them. I believe in them heavily enough that I'm not completely surprised that they're there. And hey, maybe they'll actually end up in the Stanley Cup final. And that team is the Florida Panthers. But uh, I think for the rest of these teams, it's actually a pleasant surprise to see Washington still in the conversation. It's a a pleasant surprise to to see Carolina there as well. And the fact that Edmonton and Calgary, with the teams that they have, considering where they were last year, yes, Edmonton, obviously with the best player in the world and Connor McDavid and 1A and and Leon Dreisaitl, as good as they were, they're still reeling off that sweep in the first round. Uh, The Calgary Flames, remember, in the, in the bubble, they were very mid. I mean, they missed the playoffs, and maybe if they had a few more games, their fortunes could have changed, but we were thinking they were going to be a very mid team. The fact that those two teams are there is really fun to see, especially for those Battle of Alberta games that uh, you know should be must-see TV when these two teams match up against each other now. Uh, so it's really interesting to see these five teams. I think they'll all in some way make the playoffs. I'm not sure if either of them will end up being the final team when it's all said and done, but I... I I, if, if I have to pick one team, I know that wasn't necessarily what you asked, but if I have to pick one team that I think stands up above all of them, I think it'll be the Florida Panthers, but it is U.S. Thanksgiving. The fact that they're there is a good sign for them making the playoffs at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, not to just like go hard and fast by the rule that if you are this team by this point, then you're guaranteed to, you know, accomplish something. But I do feel like all five of these teams are pretty safely in the conversation among the the league's best teams. What's interesting about all of them, though, is that they all have something to prove, right? Like Carolina has, for the last five, six years, been one of the best teams in the NHL in the regular season and has failed to do anything in the postseason. Florida is an upstart, up-and-coming team. We saw a lot from them in the postseason loss to Tampa last year, but they haven't accomplished anything for 
what decades now like they haven't had any meaningful success Washington like we thought like the best days were behind them and they've come out you know storming the doors on this season have been so so good but again every time we get to the playoffs since their Stanley Cup in 2018 they've folded very very quickly and of course with Edmonton and Calgary there's been no tangible success over the last few years Calgary did have that uh, you know, I think they won the Western Cup. They didn't win the President's Trophy, but a couple years removed from having the most points in the Western Conference, and they've certainly taken a dip since then. But like these two teams have not done anything in the playoffs either. So we've got sort of this new wave of teams that has emerged this year. But again, they're sleeping giants, right? We all knew Tampa wouldn't come out the gates like they like their their hair was on fire, needing to win every game. They're laying in wait. Other teams are laying in wait here. But I think in terms of like regular season success. I don't expect any of these teams were really full. Yeah. And you might hear me say this a lot on this podcast is that we've seen proof over the last how many years that you don't need to win your division. You don't need to win your conference. You don't need to be a president's trophy winner. Just get yourself a good run to be in playoff position and then figure it out from there. So the fact that we see the teams that are there, it's good that those five are in the conversation, but I'm thinking of teams like Tampa Bay and, and Colorado and the Islanders as well. Like maybe they're not off to the best of starts, but if they heal, Vegas also has to be in this conversation as well. They just need like a good stretch of games at some point in the season to put themselves in a playoff spot. And they'll just have to let the chips fall where they may and then kind of go from there. But as long as you're in the conversation, as long as you're in the dance, you have just as much of a shot as the other 15 teams that are there. So the fact that those five teams that are in the position that they're in right now, it's a good thing. But those sleeping giants kind of laying in wait there, like I expect some of them to wake up and eventually at least, if not first place in their division, at the very least put themselves in a playoff spot. And who knows what we'll see in the playoffs. So you think Florida is the realist out of those five? Is there a surprise team or one that maybe is fool's gold for you? Yeah, Washington's the biggest surprise for me out of all that. I definitely am in the same boat as you where I thought that they were kind of past their prime. Every time I think of the premier teams in the National Hockey League, Washington is not the first name that comes up. They were already a fun team to follow already right now because of, of Alexander Ovechkin and the goal-scoring chase that he's on. But the fact that they have done as well as they've done so far uh, is really intriguing and really interesting with the pieces they have up front. They have the talent to be a team that should be able to go to the playoffs every year. So maybe it shouldn't be that much of a surprise, but it's only that much of a surprise because we don't think of them in the same breath as Tampa and Vegas and the Islanders and other elite teams in the National Hockey League. So, yeah, I, I think they might kind of be the more fool's gold of all these five teams, but it's still pretty good that they're in the conversation right now. There's a team that should make the playoffs, but I'd be very surprised if they make like the third round or something. Yeah, answering my own question, my gut told me just now Calgary, right? Because I... No yeah. one ever expect Cal- Calgary elite top five team in the NHL. Uh, like I didn't know, I didn't think all the pieces were going to fit under Daryl Sutter. I thought there was some dissension there. I thought Gaudreau wanted to play Gaudreau hockey and Sutter wanted to play Sutter hockey. And how would that ever work? But really, I think it's Washington too, because Washington is a team that I picked to miss the playoffs. I thought they were sort of deteriorating, slowly eroding from that, you know, previous era where they were getting to the playoffs and getting to the second round every year in that ultimately culminated obviously with them winning the Stanley Cup in 2018 it looked like they were sort of falling apart and they were more focused on you know let's get Ovechkin another five years so we can break the record and we'll sort of showcase him rather than run or take another shot at the Stanley Cup when really showcasing Ovechkin might actually be the best way forward for them in terms of success so that's an interesting thing to watch moving forward we mentioned sleeping giants if I'm not mistaken, you had Colorado to win the Stanley Cup? Or was it Vegas? Yes, I did. Vegas? I think so you I had, had Colorado, Colorado to win the Stanley yet. Cup. I had the New York Islanders to win the Stanley Cup. Both are struggling. Both would be considered, I believe, outside the playoff. Or certainly Islanders are. But Colorado is in the in the bottom 10, I believe, as well in points so far. They've played a couple fewer games, so that's important to note. But the two teams that we believed... We're going to win the Stanley Cup, respectively, are certainly on the outside looking in right now. Are we worried about them? Are you worried about your pick? And will either of them or both of them recover? Well, one other thing we also have to mention with your pick, they're coming off a 13-game stretch away from the UBS arena, which, you know, needed a couple extra moments to prepare. 
uh, yeah. before it was unveiled on Saturday. Just to so, interrupt you for a second, I mean, I placed a future on New York to win the Stanley Cup. I probably should have done that after the first 13 games of the year where they played <laughs> on the road. That was, in hindsight, pretty foolish on my part. But go ahead. I don't. I mean, like, I'm not particularly worried about both teams because they have the talent to put themselves in a position to bring themselves back to a playoff spot. And in particular, with the Islanders, they have great coaching with Barry Trotz. Uh, Jared Bednar, at first, I was thinking, okay, is the situation going to be very so so where he might end up losing his job and Colorado might just think, hey, you know what? We need a change to get these guys going. And then they ended up extending him uh, to a two year contract earlier this week. Uh, not to mention, uh, the fact that the Avalanche are also winners of four in a row. They are already starting the process of getting themselves out of the basement and into like a third or fourth spot in their division. So I'm not particularly worried with the Islanders, and I'm not partic- especially not worried with the Avalanche. They're too talented of teams to find themselves on the outside looking in. Uh, I mean, I understand that they, they also have to deal with injuries and, and COVID in particular with the Colorado Avalanche, but it's still very early in the year. And the fact that they're not the bottom of the division like some other teams are they're they're in a there could be in they could be in much worse positions uh than the ones that they're in right now yeah i don't think you should give up on the abs yet i mean you mentioned covid lots of injury like every star player has missed time some of them have missed a lot of time but right now four straight wins they've won seven of their last 10 they're one of seven teams with a goal differential that's better than plus 10 and they're sort of you know deep into the standings so clearly they are playing a little bit better than the points would indicate 14th in points percentage, though, which isn't terrible. They have played fewer games than a lot of teams. So the engine, I think, is starting to rev with Colorado. Can't say the same about the Islanders, though. I mean, you mentioned the 13-game road trip to start. I think it's particularly troublesome for them because I think this is a front-running team. Like, they're the team that grabs the lead and protects the lead. We've seen in previous postseasons that they're not really built to come back in games, right? So they, if they're not built to come back in games, are they built to come back in seasons? I, I don't really know. I, I think it's going to be tough in the Metropolitan Division, so I'm not feeling great about it. But they do have John Tavares returning to Long Island Sunday night. I think it's UBS Arena, which opened Saturday in a loss to Calgary. Now they'll get the chance to actually get their first win with the Maple Leafs in town. Maybe that oh, sort of atmosphere fun. galvanizes the group. Maybe the Islanders are just not talented enough, and that's finally showing itself. So that's like, uh, that was a little preview. We're going to get into like superlatives or like, you know, like yearbook stuff, like most likely to do this and biggest disappointment. Just that was the biggest disappointment for you. It's your Stanley cup pick for me. It's my Stanley cup pick. But again, I think I have more confidence in yours. What, what, what superlatives did you have? Now I'm curious about that. It's not a, it, what like, is it? Is that style. the right word? Superlative? Like we're, that's what, well, no, well, I, you I know what we're doing for the rest of the show. We're doing surprises I, 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 and, no, 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 no. I, I know, and, and I think it fits. But the fact that you mentioned your book style, I'm just kind of doing the divert thing and just wondering what superlatives oh. you got in school. I don't know what I had. I'll have to bust out the yearbooks for that. That's too far, too far in my past, there, Julian. Can't I bet be you remember far. yours. I remember. I got most uh, likely my... to most likely to give us the weather on national television. No. <laughs> I got a uh, loudest person, which is probably not that big of a surprise and most likely to win an Academy Award. See, that makes sense. That yeah, makes sense. Uh, that makes sense, actually. I, I honestly hey. have no idea what mine would have been. I don't even think we did that. We had like no really? school spirit. High school was just like, you know, fend for yourself. We're not going to be talking about. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> I went to a roof school or something. I don't know. Anyway. I mean, it was, it was fine. It was just like, not, it was, it wasn't really like that. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Last anyway. thing before we get into the superlatives, which I don't own for myself. Uh, we got to just talk about the Seattle Kraken for a second. And I guess the simple question is like, how do we feel about them being bad? Like, do we, are we like, okay, like you get what you deserve here. Not everyone can be Vegas, or you're like kind of disappointed that you're not like excited to watch the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, I'm in the latter because Vegas kind of you could say they ruined, but they definitely changed the expectation for an expansion team after their performance. Not to say that every team should be able to compete for a Stanley Cup right away, but they should at least be exciting. They should at least be able to be competitive on the ice. And the Seattle Kraken are going through the growing pains of being an expansion team, like almost every other expansion team that has come before them. So with Vegas in the rearview mirror, it is very disappointing. At least their uniforms look nice and 
you know, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll eventually get to a point where they'll be a competitive team, you would hope. But uh, yeah, the start right now, they, they don't seem all that interesting to, to watch. Like if a game comes up on the West Coast against the Canucks, geez, that's another team that's not all that. I mean, I'll say I'll have a lot, they have a lot of off-ice interesting stuff going on, but uh, that's yeah. not, that does not scream, you know, powerful Western Conference teams going at it. That screams uh, basement-dwelling teams uh, going at it. So it wasn't the greatest example, but all that to say, uh, yeah, Seattle's performing like an expansion team. And if we said this about a decade ago, we'd be like, well, that's what you come to expect. But because Vegas did what they did, yeah, it kind of just makes it a little bit more disappointing. Yeah, this is probably how it should be, right? Like, you know, the last four expansion teams, don't need to rhyme them off, but like, it seemed like they weren't good for like five to 10 years. Yeah, there was probably some like, there were some pockets of competitiveness here and there, I'm, I'm sure. But like, it shouldn't be that way where they're having to dig themselves out of a ditch right away. But it also probably shouldn't be Vegas. And I didn't think, I don't think anyone thought Vegas was going to be Vegas, to be honest. It just was like lightning in a bottle. They found it. It was great. But it shouldn't be that way every time. And it certainly isn't that way for Seattle. What's interesting is that the only player that they didn't get through the expansion process, or mostly, was Philip Grubauer, who's been the biggest sore spot for this team. He's been one of, if not the worst goaltender in the NHL among starters. And he's really helped them drift and settle into the bottom of the Pacific Division standings. But you're right. It's just like the draw isn't quite there. It's partly because, you know, they don't have the superstars that other teams have and that make you want to watch them. But they're also not in that position where they're causing fits for teams or doing that. They're kind of just playing like an expansion team. And Really, that isn't all that exciting, even though Vegas made it that exciting. I wonder how Chris Drieger feels right now. The fact that we all thought, we all kind of thought he was going to be the guy when they picked him in the expansion draft. And then Seattle all of a sudden, oh, we're just going to take Philip Grubauer in free agency. And, well, they are where they are. Where they are. I'm just yeah. curious. I mean, I wouldn't be that happy, but I think he's been dealing with some injuries. Uh, but Ron Francis, man, he just can't. He just can't figure out the goaltending puzzle. It just doesn't work for him. There's something, it's something cursed about it because Philip Grubauer was great last year. You know, the conditions are obviously not as good as they were, but the diff, the chasm between his performance and his numbers, they really don't add up to what it should be. So I feel like it's Francis related, even though it obviously isn't, but it's just, uh, it is what it is. They probably should have just rolled with Drieger because that's where they were as a time in the timeline of their, you know, their life cycle. They were a new team that had to prove something. So why not put in a prospect goaltender who is at the point where he has to show and prove that he could earn a big money contract like the one Philip Grubauer got and like the one that they might get zero return out of based on what we've seen. You know, it's not a small sample anymore. We're at US Thanksgiving, of course. Okay, let's get into those superlatives. The cat's out of the bag a little bit. Just sort of like minor reflections here on the season surprises disappointments as we mentioned hot takes from the first i'm assuming it's six weeks the season i'm pretty sure it's six weeks or at least close to anyway mm. the first chunk of the season is in the books and we have time to reflect now so let's start with surprises uh you have the carolina hurricanes i have the anaheim ducks i'll let you lead the dance here so here's the thing with the carolina hurricanes right we know, I mean, I'm not surprised they're in a playoff position. I am surprised they had the start that they did, uh, winning their first nine uh, to start off the year. But do you remember what their offseason was like? Do you remember some of the moves that they made? Do you remember the people questioning some of those moves? Remember, this is a team that had the Calder Trophy winning gold. They had Alex Nedeljkovic was nominated for Calder Trophy. Uh, I hope I'm not misremembering that. But he was a guy who was really good as a rookie. Yep. Yeah. Ends up getting shipped off to Detroit, and everyone's like, what? What, is, what are they doing? Dougie Hamilton becomes a free agent and everyone's thinking, okay, the Hurricanes have to find a way to keep him. They let him go. He goes to New Jersey. And everyone's like, what? Like, what, what's going on? And then the Tony D'Angelo signing, which brought in its own criticisms. There were a lot of questions around Tom Dundon's squad in Carolina. Uh, Freddie Anderson, who looked as if he was washed up goods in Toronto. And now all of a sudden, he's a big reason why the Carolina Hurricanes have the start that they have. Uh, they were they're expected to be a playoff team, but I, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who thought they'd be as good as they've been to start off the year. So that's why they're my biggest surprise. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I mean, I always had faith in them. 
Um, I, I was, you know, bullish on their chances just because I thought they were even like, despite the losses, despite the change, I thought they had that talent base that would just carry them through and continue to carry them through to at least regular season success. But even more than that, I think it's coaching with Carolina. Any honestly, I think they're the best coach team in the NHL. I'm pretty sure Rod Brindamore won the Jack Adams last year. Can you win back to back Jack Adams? Probably not because that's not how voters generally uh, give out awards that are very sort of subjective in 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 their meaning. But Rod Brindamore is just the best. Honestly, we know they have a great team up front, but they had a lot of change, as you mentioned, on the back on the back end, and of course in net. Love or hate Tony D'Angelo, and it's probably the latter for pretty much everybody. He's got just as many points as Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews right now through the first chunk of the season. Freddie Anderson has been absolutely sensational. So the the losses that we thought, they've been massed so far. And I think that has a lot to do with just those players that we consider so underrated that make up the core of that team, but also with Rod Brendamore, who just continues to get it done. And I think you can put pretty much any group of players in front of him, and he's going to get the best that he can out of them. But again, I believe in Carolina, so I'm going to have to go with the Anaheim Ducks. Vegas had them pegged for 71 points around there. They're on pace for 105 right now, so that is a huge, huge gap in terms of the expectations and reality to, to this point. Troy Terry and Ryan Getz left for top, five, for top 15 rather uh, NHL scorers right now. Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale look like future stars. That top four defensive group for Anaheim has been very, very good. We thought that might be a group that people would try to like poach from, you know, yeah. before the deadline. Maybe they're going to move some parts. They've got some really good defenders back there, but they're just, they've just been fantastic for Anaheim so far. And they've got them in the position they're in now, which is not just a playoff spot, but cemented through the first couple weeks here as one of the best teams in the NHL. So I think in terms of like expectations versus reality, it's got to be Anaheim for me. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. I mean, the fact that they have the goal scoring that they have, they've won the games that they've won. I I did not. I expected them, uh, just like some of the other California teams, to kind of just be just chilling at, chilling at the bottom of the Pacific Division. But to see what Anaheim's gone through, uh, we know they're going through some off-ice stuff with, with the Bob Murray thing and his eventual resignation. But to see the players on the ice, uh, the younger guys and even the older guys like Ryan Getzlaff becoming the all-time leader in points for, for the Ducks franchise and also reaching the 1,000-point plateau. Even like lesser-known guys like Kevin Shattenkirk are doing well. Like I think he's got as many points as yeah. he, he did last year in like 56 games. Like it, It's kind of an effect. It's kind of rubbed off on everyone young and old in that organization. So yeah, I, I, I'm totally uh, in agreement with the fact that uh, the Anaheim Ducks should be considered a surprise. I just hope they're able to sustain that that run going forward and maybe they put themselves at least in a position where they can make the playoffs. That'd be fun for those young kids. I, I mean, a lot of people like to say, you know, Hey, uh, for those younger players, you know, because of the team that you might have, it might be better off if you just, you tank for the draft, you get yourself a good draft pick later on. But for a team like the ducks, if they're able to just win games and just keep that momentum going, like those games played and those, the winning, like that's good experience for those young players going mm-hmm. forward. So it'd be good to see a guy like Jamie Drysdale Mason McTavish and Trevor Zegras, you know, thrive off the winning conditions and environment that they're in and who knows what that could propel them to later on in the future. So yeah, I, I think it's really cool to see the Anaheim Ducks play as well as they've been playing so far. Yeah. Maybe in terms of like strict team building philosophy, there's a bit of a disconnect between old and new, but I think you're right. I think there's something about being in a solid uh, environment and winning environment and one that is, you know, has veteran leadership but more important than that has good vibes and has like something that everyone's building towards. And I think that's very important for young players to be in those environments rather than just to the first thing experience is losing. That's tough. And I, I think with Drysdale and Zegras in particular, I think McTavish went back down, but with those two, right. at least they get to see that and they be on a competitive team right away. It's probably a very good thing for their development. We've done disappointments. You had the Colorado Avalanche. I had the New York Islanders. I think we've pretty much gone through our points on that. Uh, so we will move on to our new favorite player. We both have Detroit Red Wings, but we have different Detroit Red Wings. Who's yours? Lucas Raymond is mine, and he is the current favorite for the Calder Trophy. Dude has a wicked shot, wicked moving puck-moving abilities. He's just slick. He's fun. And, yes, I'm very fortunate that I picked him up for my uh, fantasy hockey team. On, uh, yeah, that helps. That helps him become your new favorite player. 
Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to lie, uh, your pick as well has also made me very happy with my fantasy hockey oh. team as well. I found a way to get both of them, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 riding them both. I'm riding them both. They, they're both excellent guys, and that just speaks to to what the Detroit Red Wings have been able to build over the last few years with Steve Eiserman in charge. Uh, that's a team that you know in the few years when they're they're going to be really good, like they're going to be must watch. And it seems as if Lucas Raymond is going to be a big centerpiece in all of that. So on Julian's blue line is Moritz Sider, as he teased. Yeah, he's my new favorite player this year because he's like an evolved version of Nick Cronwall at his peak. Like he hits hard, he controls the game, he racks up points. This looks like a future star in the making for Detroit on that blue line. Don't want to put him in the Nick Lidstrom category because that is totally unfair. But Cronwall seems like a good uh, comparable right now. And we'll see if he can live up to that. you know, a lot of people remember the, the the latter stages of Nick Cronwell's career. I mean this as a compliment, I swear, because maybe oh, yeah. the the, the uh, you know the lasting impressions by him weren't great. But I believe that Moritz Sider is as valuable as Lucas Raymond in terms of rookie uh, rookie uh, contributions. It'll be interesting to see if those two can continue to bring the best out of each other as they race for end of season hardware. Worst season so far. Ooh, boy. You've got the Arizona Coyotes, and, and that makes sense, but I will quibble with that a little bit, so I'll, I'll let you have your argument for first. So like, I understand that the Arizona Coyotes, they intended on having a season where they wouldn't be competitive, but that doesn't make it any better if you're going through it, right? It took them so long before they got that first win there. It cannot be fun for the players in that locker room, even if they are on a team that's not intending to be competitive right away to go through a season like this where they are laboring at the bottom and it's then they're struggling to get wins. It cannot be fun for a guy like Andre Tourigny, who's in his first year as a head coach. Fine, the team is designed, again, to not win many games. But the fact that he hasn't really been able to get much out of this roster, I mean, fine, he knows what he's getting into, but that can't be that good on him. Uh, and whatever Arizona Coyotes fans are out there, no, they, they cannot be enjoying this. If it works out, uh, there's another thing, too. It's not like the NFL, where if you suck so bad, you are absolutely guaranteed the number one overall pick. The Arizona Coyotes could go through a season like the the one they're having right now, could end up being one of the worst National Hockey Hockey League teams to ever exist. And then when the ping pong balls start falling for the draft lottery, they could end up fourth or fifth. You want to talk about that? Talk to the Detroit Red Wings uh, just in the pandemic year. Lucas Raymond more insider, though. It worked out for those guys, but that's a that's a team that they were the worst in hockey uh, before the pandemic hit. That that could have they could have easily gotten the number one overall pick in a different set of circumstances. They ended up with the players that they got, which hey, it worked out for them, and it could still work out for the Arizona Coyotes. But if they're dead set on trying to get Shane right, well, it's not a guarantee considering all the losing that they've been doing. So yeah. They're definitely having, there's no other team in the National Hockey League having a worse season than them. And I know the team that you're going to mention next. No, they're not having a worse season than the Arizona Coyotes, even though the season that they're going through is really, really, really bad. It's it's, it's the worst. You know, last year, I, I last year I was on Yahoo Sports and I was saying, you know, hey, the Montreal Canadiens, this is the best Montreal Canadiens team I've ever seen in my lifetime. I'm I'm willing to put it out right now. This Montreal Canadiens team up see might be the worst I've seen in my lifetime. Like, like the 180 between the best and worst has just been absolutely mind-boggling. And it's within the same calendar year. That's what's even but, crazier. Well, there's my argument. That's why they're having the worst NHL season, because the expectations were that, not necessarily were that we're going to return to the Stanley Cup final, but they were literally playing in the Stanley Cup final six months ago or whatever it is. Like, it's, it is a huge fall from grace, and that's why it's the worst season. Quickly on Arizona. Like, I'm not really concerned about, you know, we, ju- we just talked about, like, being in a favorable environment when you come into the league. There's no one in Arizona that you really care about, except Jacob Chikrin. Is this going to pollute Jacob Chikrin? Maybe. Is it going to cost him a spot on the Olympic team? Maybe. Maybe it's not great, but there's no one on, you mentioned the worst team. Like, this is an expansion team. There's no one that you care about on this team in terms of development. <laughs> Like even Clayton Keller, like I, it doesn't, it wouldn't bother me at all. It fazed me at all that he's around a losing situation because guess what? He's not that great of a player. So they, they are, they, they are purposely bad 
and they are bad. So that means that they are at least meeting their own expectations. And certainly the Montreal Canadiens are not meeting their own expectations. They've got the second worst goal, te- goal differential in the NHL after being second best in the NHL last season. But it's not even just on ice performance. Like every story around this team is negative, except for Jonathan Drouin coming back. But every, like, and I don't want to like lump Carey Price into this, but like that's a really disappointing thing that happened that he's dealing with this and he can't be with the team. Like every story is not positive. It's all a letdown. So when every story is a letdown and the team is a massive letdown, there is no bigger letdown than the Montreal Canadiens. And that's why they're having the worst season so far. They'll they'll come up later on for another superlative for me, but uh, I'll give you this, like to see this, like 180 go down, it's very jarring. It's very surprising. And Sure, you know, maybe a lot of people could say, oh, well, I saw them being bad, but I don't think people expected them to be as bad as they've been. And you're right, there has been a lot of negative pretty much since the summer with the way they handled the Logan Mayu situation all the way up to now where Mark Bergevin, yeah. who, by it's the way, tested, man. it's no, by the way, tested positive for COVID before the weekend, uh, is at home away from the team. We don't know what his future is going to be beyond his beyond this last year of his contract. He might not even be back as GM. It, it, there's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of people are trying to trying to call for Jeff Molson, the owner, to step in and say something with this team. Like it's 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 a very bad situation in Montreal right now. And yes, they won over the week. They won on Saturday, but I don't know if too many people expect it to be better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And like Cole Caulfield being demoted, Alexander Romanov not taking that. a step forward. Like every like there's a story around every player every member of of the front office like it all seems to be again a letdown uh it's a lot going on there's a lot going on there's a lot it's a lot when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at blue nile.com you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's a lot. Okay, let's go to the team that folks are sleeping on right now for us. I've got the Boston Bruins. It seems like they've been like fifth or sixth in the Atlantic all season but only by virtue of the fact that they've played fewer games than anyone else. I think they were like, they didn't play till like five days into the season and they just haven't like made up those games just yet. They just seem like they've been stuck like behind Detroit, who's played like four or five more games and behind Tampa, behind the Leafs all season long, but they've got the third best goal differential in the conference. All their predictive data suggests they are performing way better than the record suggests. I just don't think we should cement Tampa Toronto and Florida in the top three just yet because the games in hand are there for the Boston Bruins and they're playing really, really well and they're getting better. So I think Boston is the team that people are just not giving enough credit to just yet, or just not really considering just yet, just because they're not standing out in any regard. That's fair. Um, I originally thought maybe the Capitals might fit for this, but maybe the Philadelphia Flyers might actually be a better fit considering where they're at, considering the fact that Carter Hart's still trying to get himself you know, back from the fall that he had in the last little bit where it seemed as if people were questioning his development. Uh, they made some moves in the off season as well. Uh, getting guys in like Ryan Ellis, uh, they tried to at least be a competitive team uh, for this year. I think people are sleeping on them. The Capitals, I, re- I initially put them in because yes, they're in the spot that they're in uh, right now, but I, I, still, feel I as think you're right. As hyped. I, I don't think I they're getting like, enough credit as they should. That's it. I don't think they're getting as much hype. The thing I was just worried about is just that like the beginning of the podcast, I was just like, you know, I don't think they're going to necessarily uh, go as far as, you know, maybe some of those other teams that are as good as they are at, at American Thanksgiving. But yeah, aside from the fact that 
you know, Alexander Ovechkin at the goal scoring chase. I didn't hear anybody really prop them up as a legitimate team. So I'm kind of wishy-washy on it. Maybe I'll just stick with my, my initial pick with the Capitals here. I just didn't want to come across as somebody who was just like, oh, hey, well, uh, you said they're not going to go all that far, but then you have them as a team they're sleeping on. Which side are you on? I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to come across as confusing. So I'll stick with the Capitals here and, and at the risk of being wishy-washy. No, I mean, I think you should stick with your gut. I mean, I gave you some homework last night. You were covering the game for the Athletic, Montreal and Nashville. Like, you know, you, you can work your way through this, but I, I think your gut instinct was correct in that sense. I don't think Washington's getting enough credit. They played 18 games. They only, only lost twice in regulation. I mean, this that's is insane. a team that's performing really well and are getting really no hype. Uh, they're definitely not getting the sort of hype that Carolina and Florida, Toronto, Edmonton seem to be getting through the first section of the season here let's move on to the biggest imposters so far i've got the new york rangers um they're the only top 13 team in the nhl with a negative goal differential so they kind of stick out that way um but i feel like they're just sort of leaning on unsustainable performances i think igor shesterkin's been unbelievable and will continue to be very good but I just feel like they're leaning on him way too much. A guy like Chris Kreider should not be challenging for the Rocket Richard. I don't think they're quite real just yet. And I think those issues that we saw and other people saw coming into the season where they gave up on some of their talent to try and be a tougher team, like that's not it's not helping them in any way right now. I think they're built on unsustainable performances right now. They're number seven in the NHL. I just don't think they're that good in terms that is in terms of like total points so far. Just, yeah, I think the Rangers are going to fall a little bit from their perch. Okay, hear me out here for my pick. Uh, it is the Buffalo Sabres. We knew they were supposed to be hanging out in the basement. We knew they were supposed to suck. So when they started going off on all those wins at the beginning of the year, being the Canadians, beating the Lightning and all these other teams and going on the start that they had, look, we were happy for them. You know, they, they showed the team they were they were being respectable. They were fight, standing up for themselves. They went through the whole Jack Eichel ordeal. They got themselves off the mat, and people said, hey, you know what? These are guys fighting for themselves. They're starting to feel that fall from grace now. Like, Buffalo, we, we know who you're supposed to be. We know where you're supposed to belong. It was fun to see you kind of win some games and try to hang out with the NHL's elite and also kind of hang around with them and, and beat them in a few games, but – we know who you are, and I know that you're in the position that you're in right now, but don't think we didn't see you, Buffalo Sabres. You definitely are the biggest imposter. It was cool. It was cool. It was fun. We got it. You you got in. You basically, you had the three toddlers in the big, like, trench coat going into the movie theater <laughs> that you were too young for, and it was pretty funny. We saw you sit in the movie theater. We all laughed about it, but now you got to go home and watch Paw Patrol while the rest of us watch Shang-Chi or some other movie that's a little bit too, you know, old for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, Buffalo, we see you, but you got to go back to where you belong. Yeah, I think they're headed back to where they belong, too. They've only won three of their last 10, 24th in the NHL in points right now. I mean, yeah, they're they're... They weren't as good as they showed earlier in the season, but I think reality is starting to hit them. So uh, definitely an imposter if you're willing to consider them, uh, you know, that they've actually exceeded expectations to this point. So they're certainly um, not in that playoff position that they were holding down at least through so, the first few weeks of the season. I thought they were going to look closer to what the Arizona Coyotes look like right now. That's true. The imposter might just be like, hey, we are respectable, and they're really not. They're not, or they shouldn't okay. be. Anyway. They shouldn't be. They'll end up, and they, maybe they'll maybe they'll just be a more dignified Shane Wright acquisition. Like they'll just kind of keep falling, but be at least respectable, and then they'll be rewarded with the top draft pick. While Arizona, as I think you hope to see happen, <laughs> doesn't get rewarded for putting the worst team on paper. I, I don't. I the don't NHL hope. onto the ice. I don't hope any ill will for anybody. I'm just saying what they could go through could still end, have them end up with like third overall and they're smarting over like the Sabres getting one when they were like a couple points behind. Right, look, what if the Canadians suck even more and they find themselves, and they're not, but not to the point of Arizona and Buffalo, and they end up with the number one overall pick. I'd be pissed if I was like, if I was Arizona management or Buffalo management or anyone else. I'd be pissed. 
tell you what, I definitely prefer the top pick to go to Montreal than either Buffalo or Arizona because it'll consider least where the draft add... is this year. There you go. It'll be a good story then. And it'll be continue to be a good story as uh, at least another great player gets injected into the Atlantic division. Okay. Let's talk about the team that should be busiest before the deadline. I am all about the Pittsburgh Penguins potentially having a fire sale. They've got four like huge, big name, unrestricted free agents in Malkin and Latang and Rust and Jeff Carter. I want to see all four of those guys dealt because it'd be so fun to see a bidding war for all the talent that's in Pittsburgh. But since we don't know exactly what to make of their season just yet, I'm going to have to go with the Edmonton Oilers. They should be buyers instead of sellers, of course, because this is as good of a team as we've seen around Connor McDavid. The forwards are complete in my eyes, but the defense core and the goaltending situation needs work. Stuart Skinner is getting a lot of run right now for Edmonton, but if you're leaning on a guy like Stuart Skinner right now, you are going to be in trouble. And Darnell Nurse is missing the next two to three weeks with a broken finger, and that caused Duncan Keith to step into a top pair with Evan Bouchard. They played fantastic uh, on Saturday night in a win, but it was the Chicago Blackhawks, and they're going to play better teams than Chicago. And I don't feel like you can lean on that, not saying... Not to say that Darnell Nurse won't be back, but I feel like you need a little bit more quality insurance on the back end and certainly in goal. So I think the Oilers should be as aggressive as any team in pursuit of improving their squad coming in down the stretch and into the postseason. Absolutely. And I agree with you there because of the fact that uh, we're not too far off from the last trade deadline where they were relatively inactive and we all know how it ended up for the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs, a first round sweep courtesy of the Winnipeg Jets. It's not sufficient for them anymore to go through another season where they look at the roster in front of them and they're like, oh, well, you know what? We're not going to risk anything. This is just going to be good enough to go into the playoffs. They have to get themselves some decent goaltending to get them to get to help them go forward. They might need some help on defense. They, they, who knows if they were able to get another extra forward to help out. They need to pull, Ken Hall needs to pull out all the possible stops to ensure that Connor McDavid doesn't go through another wasted season in his promising NHL career. And the same goes for Leon Dreisaitl as well. As far as I'm concerned, they should be the busiest. And, it, and I feel as if like all the heat and all the magnifying glasses and all the spotlights in terms of teams at the deadline should be on the Edmonton Oilers. I understand there are going to be other teams who are going to be looking to contend this year, and maybe they could be in for some other big fishes that are available, but the heat should be firmly pressed on the Edmonton Oilers. And they're the most important team to look at for, for, for that trade deadline, because if they go through another deadline where they are losing out on deals, or if they're just not able to do anything, man, they're going to be opening themselves for criticism. So I, I expect the Oilers to be active and not do a repeat of what they did at the last deadline. We are finally on the same page with one. Um, I think the fact that a couple teams that we just talked about, Buffalo and Arizona, the fact that they're so uninterested in being competitive can maybe help Edmonton here. Can they get Miko Koskinen onto one of those two rosters? Can they find a way to dump some salary onto one of those two rosters? I think it's important for Ken Holland, who hasn't shown all that much creativity in his tenure, to show a little bit of that creativity because every bit of their... um, energy should be funneled towards improving this roster in any way that they can, because it is very, very close to being elite. Let's move on to where we were most wrong this year. I'll let you lead it off. I'll put the Canadians here because I thought they were going to be a team that could at least compete for a playoff spot with the roster that they had, but uh, I was very wrong. They have a defense that can barely defend or consistently produce offensively. They have a lot of wingers who were supposed to score. They have not produced as much as some might have liked. The center depth is very much in question. The goaltending is what it is. Uh, I don't think it necessarily has been the worst sticking point for this team. Uh, But when you are without Carey Price, who went into the NHLPA program, and who knows when he'll be back, uh, yeah, you're going to be behind the eight ball in terms of that. I expected them to be a team that could compete or at least, you know, kind of fight for, be on the bubble for, for a wild card spot. This does not look like a team that could do any of that. So I was very much the most wrong when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens. For me, it's the Washington Capitals. I mean, we've talked about it um, earlier in this podcast, and I've given some of my reasoning of why uh, I might consider them a big miss, at least in terms of my forecasting. But 
I didn't have them making the playoffs. I thought they were going to sink like a stone this year. I thought they sort of maxed out with a lot of veterans and it might just, you know, be the end of their stories really as in terms of being a dominant team. But as I mentioned, two regulation losses through 18 games, meaning they have points in 16 of 18. That is how you make the playoffs. <laughs> that that right there is called stacking points and they're doing it better than any team really in the league right now. They've got the third most goals for, and they've got the third fewest goals against this, despite being one of the leaders in terms of games played to this point. I mean, they've been just exceptional in pretty much every measure except the power play. And that's the one thing we should probably have confidence in turning around. So Washington for me has exceeded my expectations and certainly they've, uh, they've shown me I was wrong about picking them to miss the playoffs, the Olympics. We still believe we were going, we are going. We yeah. still believe that the NHL players will be there despite little speed wobble with the Ottawa Senators and some chatter about, you know, the the issues uh, about going and taking a big break in the season and, of course, what's going on with COVID. But we believe it's going to happen, so we should be able to provide a hot Olympic take. What is yours? Troy Terry for Team USA. Uh, he is literally the hottest player going in the National Hockey League. I do not know if he's on Team USA's Olympic long list. He better be, because he's been <laughs> yes. as good as he's been so far. We're talking about a guy who, if you look at him with the league leaders in terms of goals and points, like he's he's out here chilling with some of the best players in the National Hockey League. Why not bring him on to the U.S. Olympic team? I don't know where they might have planned him. Maybe maybe they did have him on their long list. Maybe they did think about him on the roster, but I, I don't think there was nearly as much hype compared, compared to some of the other mainstays who were supposed to be on that team. So Troy Terry for Team USA, uh, he better be on that Olympic long list or uh, they will be kicking themselves. Yeah, I mean, there's only a few players, U.S.-born players, you know, hovering at the top of the NHL uh, points list. And it's Troy Terry, Kyle Connor, Johnny Gaudreau. And maybe those, like Kyle Connor, I don't maybe not a shoe-in, but I, I think he would be a lock to make the team. Uh, but Troy Terry, we didn't talk about before. Johnny Gaudreau is coming off a terrible year. It's not, it's like a different wave of guys that are performing really, really well here. Uh, so I wonder if the, you know, the brain trust is working overdrive right now to try and fit the pieces in because maybe this season hasn't gone completely according to plan with the U.S. Olympic roster. Again, not as in tune with it as I am the Canadian team, but I feel like there are going to be some, prize, some surprises on that team where, as with Canada, there might not be. But I wanted to give a Canadian hot take. So my hot take is that Aaron Ekblad and Mackenzie Wieger should make the team together. Hockey what? Canada loves pairs. Hockey Canada loves pairs, right? That's what they do. Put a pair here, forward group, a little synergy going into the tournament, less of a, you know, feeling out process. Immediately put them in the lineup. They're going to perform. So why not bring the top performing all Canadian defensive pair in the NHL to the Canadian Olympic team? 275 minutes together on high school differential of 19 to eight for the first place, Florida Panthers, you know, 55% and all of the important metrics, which is great. 54% in expected goals. I don't know if there's many locks on the defensive side for Canada, other than Petrangelo, who's already on the team and Kale McCarr. Like, I, I don't really know if there's any other guarantees. Shane and Theodore, I feel, if you want to talk about pairings, maybe they Theodore bring hasn't been great, Petr but yeah, I, I would, I know, I would assume. Yeah. But he hasn't been great. So I, yeah. I feel like the door is Andy's open. Hurt. And Ekblad could be on the team regardless. Uyghur could maybe be your seventh or eighth. And if there's an injury, he comes in and immediately you got something that you can rely on. So I feel like you could do worse than having those two guys be at the depths of the blue line for Canada. So there's my Olympic hot take. Okay. I did not, you didn't that, like that one. You can disagree. Not that I didn't like it. Not that I didn't like it. I think that's the one I was like, wow, okay. All right. All right. I, like Aaron Eckblad on Team Canada makes sense to me. Like Mackenzie Weger. I'm like, hmm, like really? Like, 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 like been good, you, man. I, I get it. It's just, I like, I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see no. it. I, I mean, we'll it's probably see. not going to happen. We're probably going to get Drew Doughty and, you know, Thomas Shabbat. And, you know, I'm forgetting. I feel like, right now. I feel like if Team, I feel like if Team Canada could, if they could find a way to get Shea Weber, like a, so like some way to get him on the team or whatatever. But like Mackenzie Weger, I was like, oh, okay. Weaver's right. got some Weber in him. He's got some Weber in him. Yeah, all right. Let's see. Let's see. Let's we'll see. see. We'll see what happens. Right. I think that's the one thing. Well, the goaltending is the goaltending is what it is. But I think the blue line, they're going to be a couple surprises because 
I don't think it's all that obvious. Anyway, I can't I can't wait to debate this next one. Okay. The next one's the MVP so far. I've got Leon Dreisaitl. You've got Connor McDavid. The Hart Trophy will probably stay in Edmonton for a third straight year. Is it four? Third straight year. Because Kucherov won before Dreisaitl and then McDavid. So why Connor? That's such so, a stupid question. Why Connor? But why Connor? <laughs> yeah, why Connor? Here's the thing. I know he doesn't lead in points. I, I know Leon Dreisaitl is doing as well as he's done. But... This year, we have seen Connor McDavid do some incredible things on the ice. And I think that should matter. I really think that should be valued in all of this here. Not to say that, Le- but not to devalue Leon Dreisaitl's contributions, but I think the fact that Connor McDavid and the points he's been able to accumulate, the goals and the way that he's been able to score them should matter in all of this. And we still view Connor McDavid as the best player in the world. And to the nature of the Hart Trophy, being the most valuable player, no disrespect to Leon Dreisaitl, I think Connor McDavid is still much more valuable to his team uh, than Dreisaitl is. So I, I think Connor McDavid, if I had a vote, I'm voting for him. And I don't think it would take that much for Connor McDavid to even jump Leon Dreisaitl for goals and points anyway. So yeah, I, I, I'm giving it to Con. I mean, I expect Connor McDavid to win it, but if you win the Rocket Richard and you win the Art Ross, meaning you're the number one goal scanner, sco- number one goal scorer rather in the NHL and the number one point producer. These are what Leon Dreisaitl, it's what he is right now. I yes. think you win the heart automatically. If you're the number one scorer in terms of goals and points, you are probably going to win the heart trophy unless there are some extenuating circumstances, a goaltender that plays out of his mind, or maybe Connor McDavid is the exception to that rule. I am flip-flopping on this though. Like I went to bed last night thinking, Okay, I'm going Connor McDavid. Goal and assist in the first period. Leon Dreisaitl wasn't involved last night, at least what I saw. He's got a point in every game this year. It's Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid. But then Leon Dreisaitl got two points himself by the end of that game, including a shorthanded goal in the third period to stay and you know pad his lead atop the NHL scoring races. So until he falters a little bit in terms of his perch and the distance he has in both goals and points so far, I'm going with Leon Dreisaitl, but I do expect McDavid will make up that ground and we should be giving him, he should be winning all the Hurt trophies for a while. And yeah, I think this so. season and probably should be no expect- exception rather. And maybe my pick is probably projecting a little bit more into the future for this season, but I also think with what Connor's been able to do now, like with all the production that Leon Dreisaitl's done, how many times have we gone on Twitter and looked at a goal that Leon Dreisaitl scored and drooled over drooled over it the same way we did for Connor when he went through the New York Rangers and then almost almost a week later tore through the Winnipeg Jets the way that he did. Connor McDavid has been box office and he's really leaning into being box office this year considering the fact that he's scoring all the goals and he's contributing to off-ice storylines by you know barbing back at John Tortorella and his comments would be told him to shut up like Connor McDavid this year you, you even alluded to it uh, a couple of weeks ago, the fact that he seems more comfortable being a superstar. And, mm-hmm. and it's not just the idea of him being this on ice terror. It's the off ice stuff too. It's the fact that he's appearing in as many ad- advertisements as he's been. The fact that he even was willing to, and I understand he tried to not make it a thing when he addressed John Tortorella, but when he said, just got to shut up about it, that was enough. That was a, just enough. I, Connor would not have done that a year ago, let alone yeah. like two, three, four years ago. Like him leaning into being a superstar is more than just what we see on the ice. It's everything that comes off it as well. And I, I, I think he's just been in, just a fascinating personality to follow uh, as he is most years. But I think this year more than most, he definitely is. But yeah, I, if I had to pick right now, and maybe it's for the sake of argument for what we got going on here, but I think you could still make a very valid case for him to be the MVP right now at this moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Leon can't score the goals Connor scores. No. But Connor can't score the goals that Leon scores either. I mean, he no. is he is unbelievably talented when it, in terms of finishing ability from angles and distance. I mean, few Leon Dreisaitl doesn't get enough credit for the small things he does. And one of those things is his shot. I mean, he's got an unbelievable release. It is so fast, so quick. He doesn't need time. He doesn't need to control the puck. 
And then that's part of the reason why, you know, he's so good is he gets the best positions to score thanks to Connor. And it's part of the reason Connor's so good because he racks up a lot of assists because of what Leon Dreisaitl is doing. Even though they are separate, five on five, they played a lot together as well. And of course, they are performing on the number one power play together in the NHL. You sort of alluded to it. We got off ice MVP next. And I have Connor McDavid for those reasons. One of the reasons I don't want to not give him flowers after giving the Hart Trophy to Leon Dreisaitl. But again, it's that different attitude. It's clapping back at John Tortorella. It's understanding how good he is and celebrating goals the way he did. I just love the attitude that we've seen from Connor McDavid this year. And I think he's grown a lot off the ice in addition to what he's doing on the ice. So he's my off ice MVP in addition to my runner up in terms of Hart Trophy. But I also want to give a shout out to Jack Eichel because his production has been exclusively off the ice this year, but it's been pretty productive, right? He escaped Mm -hmm. Buffalo. He's probably bought property in Las Vegas. He had the procedure that he wanted done, done successfully. And I think he walked out the same day. So everything is good in Jack Eichel's world, strong off ice production. And we're going to see him back on the ice soon. So runner up just as it was in 2015, Connor and then Jack. So my off-ice MVP uh, goes to not a hockey player. And we all know that uh, this year, for off-ice stuff, it has been pretty tough to swallow when it comes to the Kyle Beach story. Mm -hmm. And I think the work that Rick Westhead at TSN has done should be commended. And I think for a lot of people at uh, my employer, The Athletic as well, and other local outlets in Chicago, they should all be commended for the work that they did on this Kyle Beach story. Uh, Rick Westhead in particular, I want to emphasize because of the fact that he was able to, he was basically the leader in terms of pushing the story forward over the last few months, getting the interview with Kyle Beach on TSN, still one of the more heart-wrenching things I've ever experienced just watching that from home. But I also really admire the fact that while everyone is, is looking at Kyle Beach and hoping for the best for him, he is also advocating for support for the then high school victim of the Chicago, of the then, uh, well, Wolf Bradley Aldrich, essentially, mm-hmm. uh, who, you know, we don't know who his name is. We don't know even how old he is now or, or and much about him, but the fact that his, his, their mother had to go on, went on TSN and explained what happened to Rick, uh, that too was also very heart-wrenching and very sad to hear. And they're worthy of our support as well. And the fact that Rick Westhead has been able to bring these stories to light and make everyone know what's going on and keeping the NHL's foot to the fire on this is, is very important. The fact that we all listened in on that Gary Bettman conference and the silence, the radio silence towards Rick Westhead was deafening and people were angry and it took Pierre Lebrun on the call to be like, Hey, I would really like it if my colleague Rick Westhead got a question, like, it's mm-hmm. it, it's been such a wild story to follow from beginning to wherever we're at now. And there's going to be more coming, obviously, with the NHLPA commencing the investigation in on him. And I understand that a lot of people, because of this, it's been hard to focus on actual hockey games. And they look maybe they might look forward to stuff being a little bit more happy, or maybe it just kind of happened in the other camp where it's just a lot harder to follow the National Hockey League as it is. But we cannot forget how important the journalistic work has been with this story. And Rick Westhead, Katie Strang, Mark Lazarus, Ben Pope, Scott Powers, uh, I'll even give stick taps to, to Mike Stevens at the Hockey News as well, uh, and, and others around the hockey world who have dedicated time to making this story as prominent. We've tried our best on Zone Time as well and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and on the Iowa Sports Hockey Podcast as well. Uh, yeah, they're all deserving of, of stick taps here, but Perhaps Rick Westhead deserves the biggest stick tap or tire pump or whatever, or at least in this case, off-ice MVP for bringing to light the important story of Kyle Beach and knowing that we're not alone uh, whenever we suffer through tragic, horrible things and you are able to be supported by loved ones around you, whether you know them or they're just people in in the community that you're associated with. So I, I couldn't pick anyone uh else off ice or anyone else who works for a team or whatever but request that is very much deserving of that and everyone else who's dedicated time to the cal beach story definitely the media mvp and he can cross over to off ice mvp 
even if my, in my head that was sort of a player's category. But certainly, Westhead yeah. deserves off-ice MVP honors. And shout-out to Kyle Beach, who I believe yes. Westhead shared, played his first game since all this went down in terms of him revealing his identity and speaking openly. Uh, he made his debut or his first game back. Uh, in Germany, I believe he scored twice in an 8-2 victory. Something tells me there was something liberating about getting back on the ice for him and performing the way that he did. Let's go I mean, to even, our... You could even argue that Kyle Beach should be a part of this too because of the fact that he was willing to share his story and oh, put sir. himself out there. So, sir. yes, I'll add him to that too. Yeah. Um, last one. Revised Stanley Cup pick. Floor is yours. The Florida Panthers are my pick. I still believe in the Colorado Avalanche. I still think they're going to end up being the team at the end of it. This could still be the year of, you know, the avalanche, but the Florida Panthers are really good. I was really worried with the Panthers uh, when it came time for Joel Quenville to step down. Obviously he was very deserving of the fact that he had to be removed from the team for his involvement with the Chicago Blackhawks. But what I was really worried about, were some of the rumors that were starting to come around with the team in terms of who was going to take over John Tortorella. There's that name again, was thrown in as a potential candidate to succeed Joel Quenville. And we all know what his coaching style is. And we all know what the Florida Panthers are the team going as they were. They did not need somebody else from outside the organization to put in an entirely new system to kind of change them around. Instead, they stick to their internal guys and Andrew Brunette, uh, Minnesota wild legend of all people, mm. or Bruno, as he's affectionately known, as I learned from uh, my colleague, Michael Russo earlier this week, uh, he has been steering the ship for the Florida Panthers and they find themselves in a position where they are still among the best teams in the national hockey league. They showed us last year that they could be considered one of the best teams. They just ran into the juggernaut. That is the Tampa Bay lightning in their first round series, which People forget, but that was a really entertaining playoff series. And if those two teams somehow match up again somehow in the playoffs, the Panthers are going to remember that. If I have to pick any other team uh, other than the Colorado Avalanche to get it done in the Stanley Cup Finals this year, I'll put some money on the Florida Panthers. They have the they have the personnel to do it. The goaltending has actually worked out. Sergei Bobrovsky has turned himself back from a afterthought into an overpriced, overpaid goaltender to – Again, one of the NHL's elite in the back end. So, yeah, I think the Florida Panthers have what it takes to – they have what it takes to not only make the playoffs, not only win the division, they could go far this year. This could be their year to do it. I think they also – not that they have ample cap space and could do whatever they want, but I think if they wanted to improve their team, they could continue to do so uh, with some midseason moves or something ahead of the deadline to get them even – in the best position, even better than they're in now, or to fill in, uh, you know, holes or or some deficiencies within the roster. I am though going with the Carolina Hurricanes, who have the best record in the NHL, who haven't taken any step back despite losing a couple pieces this off season. I just believe more so than anything else in that system than anything in the NHL right now. I feel like Florida is a very good team. That's running on the fact that they're elite and they're they're putting their best effort out there every night. Uh, but I feel like that could catch up to them in the Atlantic Division, a team like Tampa still lurking, where in Carolina, despite the Metropolitan Division being very good, I don't ne necessarily think there is a heavyweight there, even though Washington is there. Am I, am I prepared to make Washington a cup favorite? Not just yet. I think Carolina is the best team in that division. I think they have maybe the cleanest path forward to the Stanley Cup. And I feel like this is the year that they finally get it done with Rod Brendamore, that underrated core, that new look defense, and Freddie Anderson, damn it, in goal. So I'm going with Carolina Hurricanes. I've given up officially on my New York Islanders pick. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, I feel like the hole is too, too deep at this point. Mm. So I'm all aboard the Carolina Hurricanes bandwagon as I swat a fly out of my face. I, when That's I get it. a chance, when I get a chance, uh, I'll ask Omar on a scale of one to 10, how vex he must be to see Freddie Anderson play as well as he's played uh, on the, uh, on the Carolina hurricanes. Also plugging my fantasy team. Again, I have Freddie Anderson as well. Damn. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. 
I, well, I think I'm like three and two. Uh, I should probably be a lot better than I am right now, but uh, still time. Have some good players. There's still time. I it's mean, a long season, to, to tie it all back together, maybe that's just what you are, a 60% team, because we are at U.S. <laughs> Thanksgiving now. And what Bobby Mack, brother Bobby says, is that uh, everything should be set in stone by this point. So brother Bobby? what we've learned... He's a lot older than us to be our brother. You know what I'm saying? He's your own. Then again, then again, actually, you know what? I say that, and, uh, and this is real. Uh, he considers me to be uh, his brother from another mother. So you know what? You just reminded okay. me of that. That that, well, that, that I, I knew that. Weird. I knew that. Like, there's. It's more than just namesake. There is some. Yes. It's yes. just more than that. It's more than that between the McKenzie family, and the McKenzie family that has Bob and Sean a part of it. So, uh, but you know, if he, if it's brother to him, uh, who am I to argue? But maybe I, I it's completely, maybe I uncle's better. Forgot about that. Maybe grandpa, I don't know. Grandpa's better. Grandpa, grandpa. Yeah, yeah that, that feels. I feel like that uncle might be Bobby. an insult. He's like, uncle Bobby's good. Maybe not grandpa. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I got I got grandparents already. So we know who the 20, 32 teams in the NHL are. We know who they are by now. The sample size is big enough. We know what Julian McKenzie's fantasy team is. The sample size is enough. We'll see if anything changes down the course of the season. This was the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.